Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast as usual. I'm your host, that's DDDNFL on Twitter. And look, I'm going to do it first straight off the bat. It's a Packers limerick. Uh, oh Jesus. But hokey. Hobby gurra. Potatoes. Right, so um, I've decided to kick off every week to do a Packers limerick. Now everyone's going to think that these are these are meant to be filthy. Limericks don't always have to be filthy, are right, So anyway, for my first Packers limerick, Packers limerick number one. Here we go. I feel like Shay, we've seen you up in this thing. The season just ended like whack. Free agency now, who'll be back? I'll miss Lance Kendrick's drops, giving Randall Cobb props, but most of all, I'll miss Clay Matthews' sack. Right, um, sacks, Clay Matthews' sacks. Jesus, it's gone to. It's gone to Hapenny's place now already. Hapenny's place. Jesus. Welcome to the off season, lads. Ah. <laughs> uh. Good times. If you can think of a Limerick, send them in. Limerick, place in Ireland, uh, tidbit, and it's that whole rhyming stanza. Anyway, on I go, on on we go. And as well as that, I always spend too long doing housekeeping. So, for the podcast there as well, and there's a few new bits, the Limerick is one of them. We fancy all Irish music. If you think of a Limerick, if you can write a Packers Limerick, send it in. I'll read out the best. Um, I've got Lowe's lined up, by the way. <laughs> so if this isn't a thing that you like, well... Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm invested in it now. Uh, so with the housekeeping, right? So I'm gonna keep it sweet and short and short and sweet. Um, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have a buzzer on each end, and if I run out of time, I run out of time. I'm gonna stop there. As we said, it's not gonna be like um university questions or any of that kind of lark, uh, where I've I've started to well finish. So I'll just stop. I'll just stop. Uh, the buzzword, and the buzz sound on my soundboard here is gonna be um, Brett Favre quotes. So, <laughs> right, what, what, what'll I use? Hold on, let me try this. All right, here we go, fellas. Let's have a little fun today. Ooh, apt. Okay, right. Um, housekeeping. So we have the... Jeez, I feel under pressure now. And it's only me. Again, it's only me here. Um, so the 1919 shop. This is the signed merch. So we have new stuff coming in. We haven't yet ordered it, so we're going to be putting messages out for people uh, to get in orders. If you want something specific, uh, we try to get the best price possible that we can. Again, we're a fan club, not a business, and we try to put signed merch into the homes um, of all of our members. So if you are looking for some signed merch, we'll get the best price and get all the stuff shipped over together, and that way we can all save um, on postage. So if that's what you're into, send us a message. If not, we'll be uh, getting some stock in for the shop, and you can spend time building up your uh, man or woman cave and let's call it a fan cave uh also patreon page um i don't go on about this a whole lot but we have a patreon page patreon.com forward slash uk packers uh there's two tiers one if you just want to donate a quid um so that's just if you love it uh and also there's the five uh pound tier and if you do that then after six months you get a free t-shirt of your choice with free postage so basically we just give you all your money back after six months if you choose to um, keep donating after that point well then we sincerely uh, thank you and stay tuned uh, to our website ukpackers.co.uk because we're going to have um, news of all sort of future meetups that we're going to have and there's going to be a load in 2019 we don't know about an off-season meetup just yet uh, but we are thinking of it and you thank God never farted 
Okay, sorry, there's the buzzer. Now, I did say I was going to get Aaron Jones on the on the podcast. So uh, the message has gone out to his agent to set up the time. And that's going to be super exciting. Whatever you want to ask Aaron, um, send in those questions and let me know. So the things coming up in this podcast, I'm very conscious of people's time. And I, uh, there's nothing worse than listening to stuff in the off season. And that's absolute trash. So what we're going to do is just try it now. Probably <laughs> we're five minutes in and you're probably going to go. Yeah. So like this, then this just this five minutes. Is this really what it's going to be? So what I'm going to try to do is, is tackle topics, be it, uh, you know, current affairs, the free agency and all the rest uh, to get on good guests like Aaron Jones. Um, hopefully we'll have Peter on uh, soon as well. Uh, and some other lads just to talk all things Packers off season. We're going to build up to the combine now, which is at the end of the month. It's really soon. Do you know what? I was only on the um, radio Saturday and one of the questions that Ken asked me was, you know, what, what are you going to do now? And I think it's under everybody's sort of uh, impression is that anybody who's involved in football kind of just hangs up the boots and take, you know, kicks back and take it easy. And in fact, off season is actually the most challenging because you've got to come up with material that people want to listen to and want to read um, and doesn't sort of, you know, you're not going to sit here and waste someone's time. Oh, so let's talk about the read option, you know. So hopefully uh, what I'm going to go on and talk about during the offseason, the guests that I have on, you're going to deem worthwhile. So do hang in there and stay with me. Now, there are sort of corners of the fan base who just literally go on lockdown. You know, they start getting into Premier League or, you know, anime <laughs> or whatever. Um, But there are people who still still rock with us. Um, anybody watching this new Alliance football stuff, which is kind of like a real sticking it to the XFL I kind of want to get into it, but at the same time, I don't know, is it being, is it being nasty against the NFL? So this podcast, what I'm going to be talking about is the Jimmy Graham. So there's rumors out there that he's going to be re-signed. We put out a poll to ask people how they felt about it. Um, and we got mixed reaction. Also, I want to talk about the complacency comments from David Bakhtiari because super revealing. And again, I'm not going to be like, you know, people get like one comment and they make a whole 70 minutes out of it uh, just to try bleed it. Um, I'm going to come up with why I think that's interesting and, and what that's going to breed. Um, and also, I want to talk... Can I start off talking about the Super Bowl? Because I got really annoyed from reading these messages on Twitter and Facebook. Um, I get there's an anti-Patriots sentiment out there. Get it. Um, I get the fact that, um, you know, people are fed up with the Patriots winning all the time. They don't like the Patriots. There's all of this stuff about, you know, the tuck rule, um, you know, and then the spy gaze and then the flake gaze and all this type of stuff. Um but there's kind of a backstory with that as well. I don't I don't get the the New England fatigue. Now I know Scotty Mann might be out there listening to this now and he's gonna go, Yes Steve, we know why. Alright. <laughs> I've been through that story before in the podcast. But I don't get the Patriots hate for one sole reason right well for many reasons but this is a league that is set up to stop this from happening you're not supposed to have dynasties this is this the nfl is set up so it's not supposed to be man united or man city or chelsea or one of these teams that literally just spend their arse off you know and end up getting into the top four and going in and going to the dance nearly every year you know, and, and money nearly directly correlates. And that's why everyone was swept up with Leicester City winning the Premier League because here we go. Here's a team that just gritted together. Uh, you know, a bunch of pretty much old foggy players sort of cast off from other teams, end up putting a season together um, and going to the big, the big dance and winning it all. And a hilarious side story from all that was the fan 
who had bet at the start of the season on his team winning and he, he bet a sizable enough amount of money um and as the season progressed i think it was paddy power tried to get the, the bookie tried to convince him to cash out early you know what i mean like oh they're never gonna win you're like oh, you should cash out now but i think he went all the way to the end and he won like a crazy amount of money i think it was like 50 grand or 80 grand or something like that and he was given i think it was a couple of games away and it was close and they said to him like cash out now and we'll give you 20 but he ended up winning the 80 something like that i haven't researched it. it's just off the cuff um but the patriots have done it again and again and like, if you want to talk about boring, right, if you look at the Rams, and I did this analysis for the radio um, every Saturday, was is that if you look at the Rams, they basically just bash the same button in Tekken all the time. Sean McVay is young, and, you know, he's, he's seen as this kind of offensive guru, and he breathes energy into it, and the players respect him, and all the rest of that type of stuff. When really, you know, they just do bunch right formation, they mask it, and against the Dallas Cowboys... They ran that play 47% of the time. So basically nearly half their plays come from doing the same thing. Um, you know, which confuses the defense. And if they don't do if the defense don't do this thing called lock and level, where they which is what the Patriots do, by the way, is where they set up their cornerbacks and safeties at different levels so that when you they the wide receivers for the Rams do bunch right and they all run out, they don't get that kind of that rub play, you know, where all the defenders start running into each other. Um so what I have to commend the Patriots for doing is, is always being able to come up with a plan to scheme away Aaron Donald because he was a non-factor. Now, don't get me wrong, this game was trash, right? It was it was it was one of the worst Super Bowls ever. I actually enjoyed seeing Aaron Aaron, is that his name? What's his, what's your man's name? Adam Levine's nipples more than I did. Um than I did the actual the game. Now look. I'm not a I'm not a football hipster. I do like defensive games and low scoring games if it's quality defense, but these were just two trashy offenses. You know, it's like they couldn't get any pressure on Tom Brady, but he couldn't get out and going either. Jared Goff was a deer in headlights. To that play that he had to Cooks in the end zone was a was sort of a clear cut opportunity and kind of it, if it highlights what of a brain fart game that uh, Jared Goff had and how I guess this stage was too big for him and McVeigh was when he had Cooks in the end zone, everybody in the stadium could see that he had him, um, but then he just lofted the ball too late, and in fairness to McCourty, got back and bashed that ball away, no right to be there, um, and got the ball away, which was which was a fantastic play, um, and they really only got the game going at the very end, the Patriots, just that one drive to Gronk and Edelman, and anybody out there who questions Edelman's MVP Super Bowl status, he only dropped one target or, or didn't get one target. He was 10 for 11, I think, on the night. And basically, every one that he went for was a first down. He was pivotal in that game. So again, anybody bitching and moaning about Edelman, I can't believe Edelman got... Why? He played a fantastic game. in Like, maybe a good game in a really horrendous game, so he stood out more. But he was the only one to get the chains moving. And the Rams quite clearly had no... Um, I know that, that has kind of become the Super Bowl podcast, but I think it's important because we're at the Super Bowl party. Um... You know, I, I just think that uh, there's just an awful lot of whining out there. Like, the Patriots are doing something in an era. And look, how would you feel if the Packers were able to do that? Now, they, they criticise Tom Brady for being a system quarterback. But Jesus, it wouldn't it be great to have a system that works? <laughs> you know? I mean, Aaron Rodgers had a league leading and the most throwaways on record. Because his wide receivers weren't open. And I guess this is a nice segue into Jimmy Graham. In the sense that... 
under the Mike McCarthy system and as much respect that I had for the man and as much as I thought that the system failure wasn't all down to him but the, the, it kind of did get stale and from having, having Rob Domofsky on the podcast and him saying that you know he really saw the writing on the wall when Aaron Rodgers kind of called out the play call into Devontae Adams and all the rest you know he got it got stale in the end for him and his scheme always seemed to depend on guys just getting open and if you look at that Super Bowl and you look at what Bill Belichick is able to do, the Patriots play more man coverage than any team as of late in the NFL. He's right up there, which made it extremely hard for Jared Goff to get completions. Now, Sean McVay, and that's where the default really sits. Yes, on Jared Goff, but also Sean McVay not being able to scheme guys open because that's what it becomes, right? Because with the Packers, everyone became wise to the fact. Now, there's guys that are uncoverable in my opinion like Devontae Adams he's one of those like upper I'm not a stately obvious on a package podcast but he's one of the upper echelon guys his footwork is second to none and he can get open but that just means that they shut him down with double coverage so when you're looking at your second and third guys and if you look at the pro football focus analysis of our season they say nobody really stepped up into that second wide receiver spot um, so we had MVS and, and ESB and all the rest doing doing a good job. But then there was some sort of regression at the end of the season. Now, whether that was, you know, Joe Philbin going for different guys that Mike McCarthy didn't want. And there was all the speculation that Mike McCarthy didn't trust certain guys. Like he trusted MVS over ESB. And then they kind of flipped roles at the end of the season and all the rest. But no one was really a clear-cut, you know, second wide receiver. And what you need to give a rookie is, is you need to give him a scheme. You need to scheme him open. Now, when you look at the likes of Jimmy Graham, he didn't light it up. And the money that he's going to be getting, people are saying, is absolutely scandalous. And I'll go into those numbers now in a second. And I'll also go into last year's production. But the thing that we have to pay attention to here is, is that just in these measurables alone, if you look at a tight end who is as valuable as Jimmy Graham and who has as much as experience as he does, and if you look at the times that he was targeted in the end zone last year, it was eight times. So all of this stuff about, you know, he's not a good blocker, but what you expect is good seam routes and the fact that he's going to be absolutely lethal in the end zone. He was only targeted eight times, yet he played uh, a stupendous amount of snaps. So under Matt LaFleur, and one of his hallmarks is, is what my, he's the mirror image basically of what Mike Petton likes to do on defense. He likes to look multiple. And he likes to confuse defenses with their looks. Um you know and mix stuff up and i don't know how many countless plays that i've seen with the titans now where he just gives an absolute matchup nightmare for safeties and cornerbacks because you know he runs guys into the in and out of the zones and just he's, he's a master at disguise and plays now that's what it's going to come down to with jimmy graham in the upcoming season which is which is why they're going to allegedly give the pay to give the guy a payday uh and give me his bonuses is because with a guy of his wingspan and his danger it's kind of the same as what they were saying about him in seattle which i'll kind of debunk a little bit and um, was the fact that he wasn't utilized properly so if you look at him in green bay it's going to be seen the same now i don't know whether that's just goodwill that's carried over and that people are going to think you know oh, yeah, it has to be better than this and it's kind of the fear that people have with aaron Rodgers, for instance so they're looking at last season. Now, if you look at his numbers last season, he was still phenomenal. But there were moments where you could clear, quite clearly see guys open or he had better options, but he just wasn't picking it. Now, whether that comes down to what Mercedes Lewis was saying, where he'd roll his eyes um, and sort of change the play, and Aaron was kind of like, no, I'm not going to give you the easy out. 
So that's that's an interesting thing to watch this season. If if Matt Lafleur says to him, "It's a simple play. It's a let's call it a system quarterback style play. You just need to do as you're told, basically, and it'll work." And it'll be fascinating to see if Aaron Rodgers falls in line with stuff like that and doesn't try to get those highlight real throws that he's capable of. But when you look at Jimmy Graham, if you can create an inventive, young, fresh scheme that people don't expect and that the players buy into, and you can cause busted coverages and just mayhem and confusion um, in the secondary for opposing defences, if you have a guy like Jimmy Graham in any way open, well, then it's just a touchdown each time. So it's like money in the bank. So I can see why they would keep him around and why it's not that scandalous. And I think that we're all quite willing to give Jimmy Graham another year in Green Bay just to see um, what they can do with him. Because nothing was clearly working under Mike McCarthy at the end. Now, that I say that, um, I'm going to go into the complacency issue. And we saw last year that an awful lot of these games at the start of the season were quite close and I do believe that if we were to a- able to eke out some of those games that we'd be in a far different position uh, come the end of the season and we would have probably been contending and I think that because it's like complacency breeds error and, and complacency bleeds com- complacency Jesus but you know and I think that's what was wrong with this team I think that the the attitude in the locker room as stated by David Bakhtiari and Mark Murphy and the players council that met when they were talking to Mark Murphy and Brian Gudekunst at the end of the season what they were saying was that they wanted people as Bakhtiari put it to be held accountable but before I get there let's just go back to Jimmy Graham real quick so last year amongst all the fanfare he was signed to a three-year 30 million deal which everyone saw was fantastic and the the salary was 5.9 million in the first year so it seemed kind of like a, a no-brainer now if the if Gudekunst decides to cook Graham which we hear that he hasn't they'd still take a salary cap hit of 7.3 million uh, in dead cap space for 2019 they've said that they're not going to do that and they're going to pay on March 15th which is the third day of the league year five million uh, of a roster bonus to him so they're gonna keep him so if we were to delve into because everyone's sort of saying that jimmy graham had a really disappointing season but again i wouldn't be a major fan of you know hashing through uh old stats uh and all the rest but to see the type of caliber that this player is i think it's justified now to to take it more recently because you could say like oh he's seven foot nine and that has to you know like it, it's to keep it into perspective here. Jimmy Graham is only one year removed from a 10-touchdown season with the Seahawks. So as much as this sort of thing has is, is come out about, you know, they didn't know how to use him, he had 520 yards and 10 touchdowns. So, you know, they really did know how to use him, I guess, at the end of it, even though if, if you look at his entire career, it didn't start off that well. But in 2015, which was his first year with Seattle... He kind of had almost an identical season that he did in Green Bay and then started to sort of slowly make that step up um, in yards. So his first year in Seattle, he had 605 yards. With Green Bay, he had 636. So more with Green Bay. He had two touchdowns in both of those years. So his first year with Seattle, two touchdowns. His first year with Green Bay, two touchdowns. Now, the year after that in Seattle, uh, he triples his touchdown count to six 
and gets close to a thousand yards receiving with 923 so it kind of goes to show that yes he comes in it starts off slow but then they start to increase production um, and then in 2017 then he has that 10 touchdown season now his yards went way down but that's when they started to use him as kind of just a red zone threat and it was seen that they were kind of figuring out how to use him so he's the only tight end in nfl history with two seasons of 1200 yards plus receiving yards with 10 touchdowns and if you look at those numbers uh they're a long time ago 2013 with new orleans 1215 with 16 touchdowns which is ridiculous and 2011 with 1310 with 11 touchdowns that's a long time uh removed i'll give it that but he did 10 touchdown season in 2017 so he still can be utilized certainly in that way he's one of only four tight ends in the league uh with travis kelsey zach Ertz, kyle rudolph that have 55 plus receptions in the last three seasons so from 2016 to 18 he's had over 55 receptions he's 70 wrong career touchdowns which is fourth in nfl history he's a five-time pro bowler um, he's four seasons with 10 plus touchdowns which is tied for second in the league um, only behind rob gronkowski with five and rob gronkowski is a fantastic player but absolutely beaten the bits and jimmy graham flies planes so 2018 he played in all 16 games super durable if you look at his snap count it was pretty high and i guess in that regard it's pretty disappointing that he didn't come out, come away with more purchase since he was out there a lot of the time um i didn't feel that teams were really uh, double teaming him the way they were with jared cook because remember jared cook came out got injured came back and, and sort of garnered a lot of attention and that's where we saw sort of magic happen now in comparison, and I, I guess I didn't want to do this right now, but Jared Cook, if you look at his season with Oakland, and this is where people are screaming and clamoring uh, for Jared Cook, he ended up with six touchdowns with 896 yards last season uh, with Oakland. In comparison to that, with his time in Green Bay, and he was a fan favourite, 377 yards and one touchdown, although we'll all remember him for that ridiculous toe-tappy, uh, toe-draggy catch, I should say, along the sidelines. But Jimmy Graham you know as much as people don't like his his blocking ability and all the rest and they know when he's out there he's out there for one thing and that's to catch the ball and he's on in on blocking assignments and um, that's something that jimmy graham said that he wanted to get better at but he was he ranked second on the team last year with 55 receptions and 636 yards he had 11.6 yard uh, average which was seventh amongst tight ends in the league so we're talking about a top 10 tight end here now with only two touchdowns which was disappointing but he was tied for second in the team at receptions of 20 plus yards or over uh, and that happened seven times and and he was ranked ninth among tight ends in receiving yards and receptions uh, and 10 in yards per catch so you know i mean the guy's still a top 10 tight end and i was impressed also by robert tanya by the way and i'm not going to get into him in this podcast but it's very interesting if you look back at the history of tight ends in Green Bay and that he actually had, uh, by all intents and purposes, a pretty good first year in yardage. And he's only behind Jermichael Finley, who had 667 yards, so only about 30 yards more than him back in 2012. So it's been a long time since a, a tight end in Green Bay has been able to do it. Um, other notable tight ends from, from delving into the history, uh, Mark Chamora, which everyone knows, uh, again he had only one season that was better than jimmy graham in yardage which was 679 yards back in 
Uh, Jermichael Finley, as I mentioned, you know, people expected big things before that neck injury. He had 767 yards in 2011, um, 676 yards in 2009 and 2012, which is the most recent, was 667. And if anyone remembers uh, Jackie Harris, he almost did it, 604 yards in 93. Uh, his best season uh, coming with another team at 750 yards. Um, and then that comparison with Jared Cook, you know, Jared Cook doing pretty well. But apart from Mark Chamora, uh, Jermichael Finley, Jimmy Graham has the most tight end yards in Green Bay. So if he can be utilized properly and the, he's going to be brought back and if they can scheme him and target him in the red zone and also he's bring his yardage count up, I think he's he's still fantastic value, a top 10 tight end. Absolutely. And I think that, look, the, the season kind of got away from us last year for pretty much everybody, Aaron Rodgers included. So I think that with, you know, a bit of revitalization uh, coming in, well, then I think um, I think we're in for some good stuff. Now, let's go to David Bakhtiari's complacency comments. Actually, do you know what? I think it's time for a vintage moment. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in this better than anybody end zone Cobb touchdown unbelievable oh yes this is the new sort of vintage Packers moment really I'm going to focus on Aaron Rodgers for the next while just like a an Aaron Rodgers appreciation segment um so there's some of the clips from the Hail Marys that he's had over the last couple of seasons which has just been pure fire but I want to talk about a vintage moment that um I don't know, that'll always stick out with me as a Packers fan, really. Um, it's one that I'll always remember. It's that December dagger, is what we call the 2013 Packers season. Week 17 uh, with the Chicago Bears. But basically, whoever lost this game was going to be eliminated. Whoever won the game was going to go through as the NFC fourth seed. Um, and top the NFC North is the only way that they were getting in. It was a really odd season, if you remember, where everyone just kept uh, losing all the time and so we should have been out a long time ago but we weren't out so we were able to keep up so this was the play the dagger play and it was just the way it happened was just absolutely outstanding so the bears were leading 28 27 and there was six minutes about six and a half minutes left on the clock uh, they punt the ball and michael hyde who went on to have a fantastic career elsewhere uh, which keeps being rammed down our throats um, he caught the ball at the Packers 13 yard line so from then on it was filled with just the most heart-stopping drama ever this was in uh, Eddie Lacy was sort of uh, coming into the fray he was at his best and, and doing the business John Coombe was still in Green Bay at the time if you remember so we had fourth down three times on this drive the first one uh, which was deep in in Packerland uh, John Coombe goes for a one-yard run so we get one of those first downs and then Aaron Rodgers hits Jordy Nelson with a six-yard pass. That's our second fourth down. But then we uh, have an incompletion. Eddie Lacer runs for two yards. Then we have another incompletion. And really what it comes down to is there's only like 40 seconds left on the clock. And it's fourth down. 
and we have to try get something. We're looking at a field goal. And this is a criticism that I've seen of, funnily enough, of Aaron Rodgers in this year's Super Bowl, even though he wasn't playing. There was this debate raging online whether Aaron Rodgers would have made that play that um, Tom Brady made in triple coverage to Gronk. Would Aaron Rodgers have done it? And I think this is kind of proof, certainly back then, that he was willing to take risks. So 38 seconds left on the clock. Um, Aaron Rodgers gets flushed out and it's no other uh, person than Julius Peppers who's retired as well and I might go on to that on a future podcast but um, flushes Aaron out um, so he, he goes off to his left and bombs a 60 yard pass to Randall Cobb and Randall Cobb comes out and starts talking about that as like a pivotal moment in his career and that time slowed down as the ball came to him so just this dagger rainbow um, about 60 yards into Cobb's hands and he just legs it and accelerates into the end zone. There's absolute pandemonium. And fittingly enough, that's how I sort of always remember the game ending. But actually, Chicago get the ball back and then the ball gets intercepted uh, from Jay Cutler, surprise, surprise, by Sam Shields. So I guess that could be seen as a complete pass from Jay Cutler because he used to like to throw at the Packers, uh, safeties and cornerbacks. So that play is a vintage moment for me will always stand out as one of the best vintage moments for me in Packers history um such a badge of pride uh what I hear you saying and what happened after that Steve well we went and went against the 49ers one and done in the playoffs oh well that's when uh you know we kept getting ran all over by by Colin Kaepernick but what you gonna do anyway that's the vintage moment for this week that's I'm liking the, the jazz lounge music. I'm starting to think that we should just leave that on the background of all the podcasts. But anyway, from vintage moments to not so vintage moments, let's talk about these complacency comments. So it was sort of, it was a real red flag to me when it was the Matt LaFleur, um, which I've got a good limerick for, <laughs> Matt LaFleur, um, when there was his press conference and Mark Murphy was coming out and saying that, uh, which is like, Again, I'll say it, right? No matter what people are saying online about Mark Murphy, I think it's fantastic the way he just literally says it how it is. It's, it's amazing. It's still that small town feel uh, to a really big, successful team. But he was honest and said that complacency had leaked into the locker room, which is why McCarthy went. And, you know, there was this sort of players council that said there was an awful lot of complacency there. And we're kind of thinking, oh my God, like so what people were saying was true. Now, I'm going to play a bit from a presser in a few seconds as to when I fully saw uh, that's not right. But when I look at the comments that Bakhtiari came out with, they're very fitting. Now, this was preceded by notions that this was going on. And where did we see that? At the end of last season when Haha Clinton Dix was coming out, throwing shade at people. Demarius Randall was being... Just a strange dude, like he was, you know, blaming people. And then there was that whole tantrum that he had on the bench and had to get sent to the locker room. Um, you know, so there was all this kind of stuff and whispers of this kind of stuff happening. Um, when we when Devon House was hosting us in Green Bay, they asked him about the plays uh, in that NFC Championship game. It's like Voldemort, I hate mentioning it, but I have to from time to time. And, you know, did he question the play calls? And the mood that I got off him, uh, his comments were kind of like that, yes, he didn't agree with some of the stuff that was being called there uh, defensively. So it seemed like for a long time, because that game's a long time ago, uh, even though I can't get over it and I weep daily, is that there's been complacency, there's been um, maybe a lack of accountability on behalf of the coaches 
And there's been players that are being able to publicly criticise coaches and, and plays and all the rest. And I, and as Rob Domofsky said, that came to a head when Aaron Rodgers came out and criticised about Devontae Adams not getting the ball. Now, even more concerning now is that David Bakhtiari has come out and said, and I'm going to quote from Rob Domofsky, ESPN article here. Uh, he said that the one thing that always rubbed me the wrong way, and I guess it can kind of parallel with complacency, is accountability. The one thing that would really grind my gears was guys being late for the plane uh, when we're leaving for road games and no one holding those guys accountable or even fining them for being late. Someone should have said, hey, we're leaving at 1.30, you're not there, the door is closed and that's how it needs to be. So Winston Moss got smacked for saying that someone needs to hold people accountable in the building, even Aaron Rodgers, and all of a sudden he was let go. Now, I don't know whether that was him being held to account for not trying to get people to be held to account. You know, whether you say stuff publicly or whether you don't. But one thing's for damn sure is that Matt LaFleur is going to have to come in and do a Sean McVay style. Right, lads, shut your face, sit down and listen to me. Now, when I noticed this getting wild and a bit out of control came down to this season. So we saw Haha Clinton Dix, who was the, the best finger pointer ever, takes odd angles and just absolutely regressed big time. Um, at the at the end of his tenure in Green Bay, he was just shocking. And then if you look at the footage of him uh, in Washington, it's it's absolutely insane. And the fact that he came out with this tweet to say, uh, I think what he was trying to say in the tweet and it was hard to decipher, was that Mike Pettin made him ball out and that's what got him traded, which is just ludicrous. What got him traded was is someone out there was willing to give a fourth round pick for him when really that was an absolute steal because he ended up being benched um after a couple of weeks in Washington because of just the absolute blunders that he was coming out with so he was gone but the main one was Ty Montgomery when against the Rams it was it was a close game right to the end there was two minutes left we were hoping to get the ball back in Aaron Rodgers hands but there was two points down so there was um yeah there was two minutes and some change and Ty Montgomery brings it out of the end zone and fumbles it so it was the press conferences after all of this. The fascination was, did Ty Montgomery know or not know what the deal was? So Mark, uh, uh, Mike McCarthy came out after and he was I thought he was pretty vague in it. And he says that it was always the plan to stay in and give the ball to A-Rod. Uh, were his words. He probably didn't say A-Rod. But I have it written out as A-Rod. Shorthand. I'm a stenographer. Um, and then he comes out after that because what I will say about Mike McCarthy was he was fantastic for um, defending players and not blasting them in the media a la John Gruden, right? So then he came out after that and they pressed him on it again and he said, I'm sure Ty was just trying to make a play. So the fact was is that he's he's kind of come out and said trying to deflect from himself because it would be ludicrous if the coach was to take the blame. Um, some coaches will and Sean McVay always takes the blame for everything. I don't know why Sean McVay fanboy right now but is you know he, he's kind of coming out saying like look yes the plan was to stay in but he doesn't say to be told Ty Montgomery to stay in and then he turns around and says yeah well I'm sure he was doing his best which is an honourable thing to do to sort of say like look um, you know I'm sure he was trying to do something now that's not what I'm talking about the biggest telltale sign that there wasn't accountability and that there was complacency leaking in and that people were a bit soft was when Ron Zuck came out and they asked him about it. So he was talking about the Patriots and building up to that type of stuff. And Ron Zuck, he seemed like a nice guy, um, but the, the special teams with the Packers was an absolute shambles. It was so bad. And 
he kind of came out and to me whether he just didn't want to give the game away or whatever he just seemed to sort of I don't know he just lacked that kind of it's hard to know what to say without sounding like I'm trashing the guy so I'm not going to say anything and let me just play some snippets from that presser and the one thing that strikes me uh, and I'm going to splice it up so that it's, it doesn't go on for too long is that when he's asked about uh, who's going to do returns and he kind of comes out well I don't know you know just listen well I know but I know coaches coaches addressed it and, and, I, and I know uh, uh, Brian has addressed it I, I really don't want to you know what's happened has happened and let's get on down the road and go from there I mean I think I, what I read the coach said is, is you know is kind of what happened so things happen in this game it's a it's a it's a volatile game it's a you know so so things happen in this game it's a volatile game you know it's just you know it is what it is it's just you know happens he's stepping dog poo sometimes sometimes a bird will shit on you it's fine it's just what happens okay no one's a fault it's all right so it just seems a bit weak to me now maybe he wants to come out and he didn't want to sort of blast Ty montgomery and all the rest of that and then some that might involve more questions and they'd, they'd sort of hammer him about it again which is just what they did <laughs> you know and to come out and sort of say like oh these things happen and that's what it is no like if it comes down to a pivotal part in a game against a super bowl contender which was true because they went on to the to the game and we you know you want to put the ball in Aaron's hands we're only two points down all we need is a field goal I don't think it's good enough to have that well you know well what it is what it is right but then they they press him on it again and they just say I think Jason Wilde says we're not just grab him by the helmet and, and throttle him and say <laughs> you know here don't commit at the end zone and Ron in fairness to him makes a joke oh well if I did that then you'd be talking about that um, but then listen to how unconvincing this next part is through his mind, I, I think what what he told me was that he made a split second decision and, and he didn't know for sure where he was and you know, that's why we always talk about you know where you line up and where you got to be and all those. You know, I I I don't foresee that changing. I mean, you know, that's something we always talk about before they break the huddle. But uh, you know, once again, I, I uh, sometimes things happen. Tell us who's going to handle kickoffs. I could, but I'm not gonna. No. <laughs> Well, you know, obviously, I don't want to, you know, I mean, you don't want to give out, get away information. And, and I don't know for sure, to be honest with you. You know, there's a, you know, I was talking to Randall in the, in the training room uh, uh, after practice. I mean, he's got some experience of doing it. He's pretty good at it, too. So, but I think that'll be up to what, 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 uh, what direction coach wants to go. So, yeah. <laughs> like, goes for the gag. Sometimes it's very hard. Uh, you're in a group of people and it, something calls for a more serious mood, but you still rip off some gags. Now, look. I'm not going to be down on the guy. Um, he's gone now anyway, but I'm not going to be down on the dude, you know, for trying to protect his player deflecting. But what I what I hear when I listen to that passage is a lack of confidence, a lack of people being held accountable, and a lot of vagueness. A lot of... Well, yeah, you know, it's... Do you know what? I used to have a teacher like that who he was really, really soft... And when he was writing something on the board, he'd say, and actually uh, the funny story about that is, right, go on, I'll tell if we have time. He was so unconfident that you could actually say something that had nothing to do with the answer. It was so off the wall. He was an accountancy teacher and you could say something so off the wall. So he was writing, you know, debits and credits 
And he said, oh, and if you add this together, what do you get? And someone said, balance sheet, sir. And he went, mm. and he puts his finger on his lips as if to say, oh, do you want to try that one again? You know, instead of just turning around and saying, listen, it's numeric. It's a figure. Tell me what it is. You know, but he entertained someone just shouting out random words. And that's what that sounds like with that Ron Zuck interview, right? Now, I know you could have the argument, well, you're going to be different in front of the press and you're not going to want to throw anybody under the bus or whatever. But you can't half arse it either. You can't sort of turn around and say, well, you know, I don't know what happened. Uh, this is what he told me. So I guess that's fair enough. But, you know, in fairness, we always do talk about exactly what to do when we break the huddle leech and every single time. So I don't understand how. But you know what I mean? It's just, it's as simple as this. You turn around and say, he messed up. He shouldn't have st- stepped out of the end zone. It was a split second decision and he moved out. We told him to stay in. That was up to him. We discussed it with him on the sideline. He's aware of it. Now, I don't know. I can't remember whether he was actually gone at that stage um, or not. He certainly didn't last long. Um, But that's more so because Ty Montgomery had turned around and said that he doesn't know who we can trust in the locker room because people were coming out after that and saying, oh, a Packers player came out and said this about that and it leaked into the press, apparently, which is a really bad look as well. And that's what I sort of mean about accountability and all the rest is that, you know, players can leak stuff out into the media. And it was quite clear that there was massive discontent in that locker room when a couple of the players are talking trash or allegedly talking trash. Let's face it. Who knows if any of those comments were actually said. But the the main thing is if they were said or if they weren't said, doesn't really matter. If you're Ty Montgomery and as nice of a guy that he was and he was a favourite here um, at UK Packers HQ, you can't come out and say that you don't trust your teammates. Although that's how you most definitely would be feeling. But that's the thing is that like this sort of poison leaked into the locker room. Now we saw that type of stuff happening when Ron Wolf came in and he had to turn around and say, listen, lads, an awful lot of you dudes that are here at the moment are not going to be here. Now, if I was Matt LaFleur, which I'm not, is that I would come in and I would clear out that locker room as well. And I would say, okay, I'm not getting into a rebuilding phase because I will say is that there's some fantastic players and an awful lot of the players in Green Bay are fantastic. Some of the players undoubtedly undoubtedly need to go. Um, and any player that is a poison to the locker room needs to go. ASAP Rocky right you just need to get rid of them you can't have them hanging around and that's you know and I, I say this time and time again all the rumours and all that stuff that were swirling around when Josh Sitton left and TJ Lang and all this type of stuff um, you know there, there was talk about attitudes and, and attitudes that weren't wanted and all the rest um, and strong characters and all the rest so maybe this has been going on in Green Bay an awful long time and look there are players that don't agree with what the coaches say an awful lot of the time Jesus I've played sport I was on the soccer team uh, in Wicklow and there's you know the stuff that had happened there people would be pissed off and you know kicking bottles around and getting fired up and all the rest that's fine but when it comes to the likes of this type of stuff and I think that presser really hit the nail on the head for me as if to say okay there's something really amiss here we're off drifting in the ocean and no one has the cojones as we say in Irish the Lee Road E uh, to grab the Lee Road E and really say Right, lads, this is how it's going down. Now, in fairness to Brian Gutekunst, what you can see him doing from the outset is is getting rid of players that are a, sort of a poison to the locker room. And that is going to continue. Some people thought that that was harsh. Some people think it isn't the Green Bay way. But the biggest indicator of that was to cut out Mike McCarthy. Now, whether you agree with it or not, and I had a podcast out at the time showing that it wasn't all Mike McCarthy's play. But part of that managing a team is also keeping them respecting you. I don't care what job that you do. I don't know if, if you, if anyone listened to this podcast, a senior in a firm, and even if you're not senior and, and all the rest, you will know 
that if you don't respect your boss and if your boss is dicking around and you know being indecisive and not being there and fobbing stuff off the worst thing you can do is lose respect for a boss or be a boss and have respect lost for you because if that happens it's very hard to rein it in and that's something that you need to work on so you can't just say uh well i i asked them to do it and they just didn't do it because like that happens in workplaces as well well why didn't they do it they obviously weren't fearful enough or didn't think that you'd held them hold them to account enough to actually show up and do the job so that's something that's going to change in green bay and we definitely don't want to be seeing any more comments because david bakhtiari um is an absolutely outstanding player the best player at his position and he wants to be held accountable. And that will tell you that all of this crap about Aaron Rodgers being hard to coach. And I've said it before. Yes, I would hope that he is hard to coach because he's on top of his game and he's super competitive. But the thing is, is that players like him do want to be coached and coached hard. And he has to be kept on his toes and stuff has to remain fresh. And you cannot let this crap leak into the locker room and start poisoning the culture. Because that's one thing that you will know about anybody who's experienced the locker room attitude and atmosphere in Green Bay. It's always been a winning culture lately. Um, let's not talk about the 80s, 70s, um, early 90s. It's been a winning culture for a long time now and it's very hard to cultivate that and you can only get it from winning consistently. So someone set that ball rolling and we all know who it was. So you have to keep that rolling. Anyway, so look, I'm going to wrap up the podcast now. Uh, hope you've enjoyed the nice uh, little bits and pieces. Uh, stay tuned next week uh, for the Limerick uh, <laughs> and the Vintage Moment. And if you have any Limericks, send them in. If you have any Vintage Moments that you want to talk about, send them in. We're going to get the Fan of the Week uh, fired up as well. And we might be creating a Fan of the Week t-shirt to give every person that comes on the podcast as Fan of the Week because we love to hear your stories. It's simple. How did you become a Packers fan? What do you think of the state of the franchise? Have you ever been to Lambo? Have you ever been to a UK Packers meetup? And stick with us because we're going to have loads of meetups in 2019. It's going to be your biggest year ever for meetups. Anyway, um, if you like the podcast, feel free to go to iTunes, Spotify, and subscribe. Go to our Instagram page, at UK Packers, Facebook, at UK Packers. Get in there to the closed group. Also, read the blog from Peter Jones. It's fantastic on UKPackers.co.uk. And if you like the podcast and you're delighted that I'm going to be keeping you company throughout the offseason, trying to get on some stellar guests, well, then by all means, go to patreon.com forward slash UK Packers and get onto one of those tiers. And after six months, you get yourself a free tea. And if you choose to donate after that, it is absolutely greatly appreciated. And we love each and every member there. Also, sign up for your membership number and you can get bespoke UK Packers March. So the time uh, that the Packers do swing around London, then you can have your, your UK Packers t-shirt on. Uh, loud and proud. And also, the Packers are not coming to London. So come over to us to Lambeau. We're going over again in 2019. Once the schedule is released in April, which is not that far away, we solidify that date to go into Green Bay and we go on over. Anyway, we're nearing 50 minutes. Uh, lads and ladies, it's been an absolute pleasure. Once a week podcast. I'll talk to you next week. I'm at NFL on Twitter. Make sure you give me a follow uh, and we'll have a bit of a chin wag. Until then, talk to you.